I'm Maria. I'm Shadio. And I'm Amber. We're from Jerusalem. We're the producers of the Women Behind the Wall podcast. This podcast features stories of how the political seeps into the private lives of people in Israel and Palestine, and how women experience the conflict. These narratives give you a glimpse into the lives of women with deep hopes and aspirations. Most of the women interviewed live in the West Bank. They're women behind the wall. We hope you stay a bit, listen to their stories, and hear the messages they hope you'll hear. Today on Women Behind the Wall, we hear from Hanan, a Palestinian Christian from a Muslim background. She shares about her family's response to her conversion, how she ended up in Jerusalem, what the occupation means for her, and the work she is doing among other Muslim converts to Christianity. Listen to Hanan's story as she shares about her challenges and experiences. My name is Hanan, and I am from Galilee. I was born and raised in a Muslim family, and then when I was in age 23, I became a follower of Jesus Christ. Then in age 29, I had to leave home because of persecution. And then I came to Jerusalem. I came from a nominal Islamic family. So we had a lot of friends who were traditional Christians. And we had like some of the occasions we celebrated together. And I did have the idea that we have differences, like we don't eat pork, they eat porks. They believe in Jesus who was crucified. We don't believe as Muslims in the crucifixion. So these things in my area, people manage to respect each other, even they know both that they have differences. In the Middle East, the religion you are born into greatly influences your cultural and life experiences. We ask Hanan how she self-defines. When people ask me to define myself, usually it's, it, it is not easy because none of the answers will fulfill the expectations of others. Like for Muslims, I should say I am a Muslim and I won't say because I am not a Muslim. But I will say, yes, I was born and raised in a Muslim family. For Christians, for them, they want me to define myself as a Christian. And yes, biblically, I am a Christian, but culturally, I am not. And I don't belong to the Christian community because here in our land, being a Christian, it is like your grand, 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 grandfather was a Christian. And then all the family were Christians and you born as a Christian. Sometimes I feel outsider also. And my relatives, my blood relatives are not Christians. So many of the social things, I don't belong to the Christian community. If I go to weddings, I will go like to the relative weddings and it is Muslim weddings or weddings for Muslims. So it's many times it is not comfortable <laughs> to define myself. In the beginning, it was pressure to me. 
But now I have more confident in myself to explain my point of view. Still challenging sometimes because also like my father's name, which is Muhammad, it is something that I will not change or my family name. Also, again, it is Islamic name, so it's not something that I can run from, delete from my life, and I don't want also. Hanan shares about how her family learned she changed her religion. That was hard. In the beginning, I didn't say to anyone except my cousin, who was my best friend in that time. So I shared with her what is happening in my life and how I came to faith. For her, it was a big shock. She read all the passages in the Quran and in other books related to people who will leave Islam. And she came to me and she started to convince me in a nice way. And I told her, you know, I can't explain to you, but I know that the way that I choose, it is the way that I want to continue. And I know it is the truth. She started to bring me many verses about what the community will look at me as a Muslim who went out of Islam. And then there was the threatening, and then there was the emotional kind of pressure because it will affect the whole family, and it will affect them as even if she's my cousin, it still will affect her if I will go out of my religion. And it will affect the whole family badly. So she told me how much it will bring problems to them, challenges, how I will bring also shame, and it will be for generations. It is like religion and socialism, you can't have it separated. They are connected. And she was speaking the truth. It will be for generations. We still know about this person, let's say, usually like the famous cases, Christians converted to Islam. We still like know that ah, the grandfather of this man, he was converted to the high, or the father of the grandfather of this man, he was, it, it will go for generations. After I refused to let my faith go, she went and told my mother and my mother waited. She watched me for two months till she finally came and spoke to me. She asked me if I became a Christian, and for me it was like from where my mother came in with this idea, like I never said anything. And also I was afraid, and it was a sudden question. I still remember the place and how it was. She said, ah, because uh, the Bible is under your pillow many times. And, and I said, no, no, the Bible is for my friend and I will bring it back to her today. But why is it forbidden for me to read the Bible? And she said, no. But then after a week, I went and told her about my faith. For me, it was surprising that my mother accepted my faith. But she asked me to keep it low profile. And I said, okay, I will, I am. Like, I didn't say anything to anybody except of my cousin, and it was a mistake. Uh, But then one of my brothers get to know about my faith, and in the end I went and said to the other two brothers that I have, they were more worried that nobody will know. Like, they didn't know how to react. 
they didn't want anybody to know because then there will be like the whole family need to decide. But I knew that when my father will know, I will have a problem. So because my mother and my brothers knew about my faith, I could go to the church. They were helping me. I could live my faith without a lot of pressure, with the help of them. But after um, almost six years from my faith, my father came to know about my faith. Someone told him and he was so angry. In that day, I couldn't say anything. I just ran to my room and locked my room. But uh, he's the one who had heart attack in that time. And he was in the hospitalized and he was in the ICU for a few days till he was released. And that was like something that was hard. I see that my father is dying in front of me. And in the same time, like, my brothers and mother are blaming me for that. So that was a big dilemma. Then he became better and he was released in, from the hospital. And then I had restrictions, like not to read the Bible, not to have any worship music in the house. I'm not allowed to go to church. I'm not allowed to live any kind of faith in the house. It was something hard for me. After four months from that, I one time I went to the church. I thought that my father is not in the house. He left the place that he should be in, like he was in a wedding and he left before the time. It seems be because he wanted to watch me and I was coming like from the church, oh, happy. Then I found my father, but he was very angry. So he said, that's the end. You need to go out from the house. Um, that was also, again, something challenging for me because in that days, like women, they didn't go out from their houses and like few families there were allowing their daughters to study in another city and to sleep there, or they will get married. And I am not getting married and I am not going to study like I was finished already studying. So it was for me a dilemma where I will go, how I will get a job, also what I will do with myself. It was something hard, but then I decided to come to Jerusalem and to start from here. The first time, after three weeks of being in Jerusalem, my mother and brother came to Jerusalem and took me back to Galilee. And then they just wanted the extended family to know that we do have relationship and I'm coming to visits. And for me, I didn't know if that was a trick from them or they were honest. I think my mother being with my brother, it gave me kind of peace. And I went with them. I hesitated a lot, like, to enter the house. My father didn't know that I am coming also. But when I came in, he only spit on me and went to other room. So I could handle that. And in that night, 
nobody of us slept, I think. My father, I could hear his, uh, his breath and I also didn't sleep in that day. The next morning, I couldn't stand it anymore. I just left. But then I started to go to revisit every three weeks or four weeks when we have guests in our house. So my mother will tell me when we have guests and then I will go so my father will not react. And even he will accept to shake my hand in front of them. Of course, he will not agree to sit, like to eat on the same table, or if we will go somewhere to ride in the same car that I am in it. And it continue for some years. But now we are friends. We are back <laughs> to be friends. But it took many, many years. It took eight years till he pronounced my name again. Hanan shares about expectations of women in Palestinian society from her perspective as a single woman. In the Palestinian society, the expectations from women is mainly to submit like submission, to follow, to stand beside the man so he will succeed in his life. To be good woman, good mother, good cleaner, if she will bring also income to the house, it will be good. <laughs> it's, it's hard not to be married in the Palestinian society in general. And it's not the hardest, but yeah, it, like the dream of Every woman, at least I know, is to get married and to have family, and this is for her stability. So usually this is the dream of the woman, even if she wants to get education and to finish studies. But in the end, this will be her dream. Hanan shares how she sees and experiences the occupation and the differences she encountered after moving from the Galilee to Jerusalem. As a holy city to many groups, Jerusalem is much more religious. Additionally, political tensions are felt much more intensely in the city. I came to Jerusalem in the beginning of the Second Intifada. And that, for me, it's something different. People are religious, everybody. Christians, Muslims, Jewish, and there is people don't speak to each other and each group have a lot of things against the others. And of course, there are the bumping. Really, I was afraid from everybody. And also I needed to go to the church in the old city. It took me one month till I could found my way to the place. Always I was <laughs> lost in the old city. So I had a lot of fear. Also there are the checkpoints, which was a new uh, experience to me. For me, as a Palestinian woman, I grew up in Galilee, but in a place that is not my family place. I had my village. It was only 25 minutes away from the city that I was living in. And 
passing from there, going to do things or, or visiting, and there you will find other people who are living there, who are from Europe and from different countries, but I am not allowed to live there. My land and my home, my family home, my grandfather home is somewhere else. Occupation means that uh, for us, when we grow on stories like uh, when my grandfather had to run with his nine children, one of them, she was one month old, and of course, she was a baby, and she was crying, and they were in the fields. And my grandfather had to decide if he's going to kill his daughter with his own hands or not because she was crying and that means that it put all the family and all the other families who are running in danger because they were hiding so growing up on stories like this that someone like my grandfather had to take this decision in the end he didn't do it but what if he did it he was one of the people who had money and land. But then, when he became refugee, he had sons who get sick. And the three of my uncles, just one of them, he was killed with a pump because he stabbed on. And two died between his hands because he couldn't provide for them medical care. So this is, for me personally, what occupation means. It means I didn't see at all my grandfather or my grandmother or my grandfathers from both sides because from all the things that they faced, it was too much for them. And in young age, both of them, they died. And when I came to Jerusalem, it was even more. I lived behind a checkpoint and I needed to go through the checkpoint every day. And sometimes the soldier will let you pass and sometimes he doesn't. For me, I know Hebrew because I came from Galilee. But I saw them how they deal with the old ladies and with the old men. Some of them, they will treat the people well, but many of them, they didn't treat them well. Many times they were just laughing. They know that for Muslims, dogs are uh, unholy. And they will bring two, three big dogs. And usually all of us, like the Arabic community, most of us, they, we are afraid from dogs, especially when they are like IDF dogs. Like imagine it is like when you see people are running or hiding behind each other, afraid from the dogs that they are releasing. All of that I was watching. After five, six months, I couldn't handle it anymore because every day, every day I was like arguing with the soldiers, not because of me, usually for other people. They get to know that I'm holding Israeli citizenship and I know Hebrew, so they will let me pass usually. But it is because of other people that they are mistreating them. Many times I saw them like how they deal with the small children who are passing for their schools and they cannot pass without their certificate birth. It's called here Kushan. And the soldier will take that and tear it and then they will not have a document. 
And it is a problem also to go to the interior, to the Arabic interior ministry in East Jerusalem and to get another one. So I, I saw a lot of injustice. I saw a lot of mistreatment for the people. I saw a lot of controlling. Today, Jerusalem, in some ways, it is better. Like, you can feel there are many days that are peaceful and you can live and die. But still, like, when you hear the stories about not giving East Jerusalem people permissions to build, permissions to expand, like, when I go to the different neighborhoods and it is packed with people who I don't know how they will live after 10 years or 20 years, I, I don't know. I can't imagine how people in Al-Isawiyi, Ras Al-Amud, Beit Hanina, Shafat, how they will live in the future, where they will go, like the population will increase, like where they will build, how they will build. And still they are taking more and more and more and more lands. So maybe there is no bombing now, but yeah, there is kind of pressure. And I feel also in the Jewish side, it is more and more religious people are living in Jerusalem and it becoming like a religious city and a scary city. Hanan shares about new experiences in Jerusalem and her encounters with the Christian community in the city. The most thing that really shocked me here in Jerusalem. I started to meet Christians who are like, they are very, very Zionist. And for me, it was like, what? Like why Christians are taking sides and why Christians are not praying for all people? I was in a sunrise meeting for Easter and they are, praising the Lord for every Palestinian who died, for every soldier who is saved, for the government that is killing my people. And like for me, why? Like where I am? Like why this is happening? And another time after that, I was introducing myself to some people and I'm saying that I am Palestinian and <laughs> One of the ladies asked me if I am not shy to say that I am a Palestinian. And I said, why I will be shy from being Palestinian? Like the Lord, he's the one who chose to whom, to which nation I will belong. And, and then I started like, why people are asking this? Why people are praying in this way? And then when I started to search more, I found that a big part of my suffer as a Palestinian, it is because of these people <laughs> who had a lot to do with the establishment of the occupation. And for me, it was like, what, how? I think it was the most painful process that I went through. How come we as people who, who know Jesus Christ take stands and like control other people's life. I will accept it from other groups. I will accept it from 
the Jewish people. I will accept it from the Israeli government. I will accept it from the Muslim group, but I don't accept it. I still cannot accept it from the Christians. Hanan shares about her work in Jerusalem and the West Bank. I am working for a Christian organization. I am working between, mainly between Muslim converts in East Jerusalem and West Bank, especially north of West Bank. Many of them, they are from uh, different villages in north of the West Bank. And these families, they came to faith, like the father came to faith and then the wife came to faith. And he and uh, his wife and the children are part of a small church. Some of them, they have regular jobs and some of them, they don't have regular jobs. And because of all the challenges, especially for the people who are in the West Bank, because of all the political situation there. And uh, so some of them, they are live under the line of poverty. And yes, they do need uh, help. I am the only one in this small community who is discipling or uh, caring for the woman within this. Some of the projects that I am involved with and it need like to be supported, some of these people, they have financial challenges because some of them, they don't work. Some of them, also, they don't have health insurance and things like this, and they need help. So all the time, we try to help them or to raise funds for some of them or to have small projects that can bring monthly income to them. Another project that I started last year, it is with other women. It is to help women to go out from trauma that they faced in their lives, whether it is abuse, any kind of abuse, or it is death or any kind of loss. So this is another project. And now we are in the process of building a website that can contain a lot of information that women need in our Palestinian society and in the Middle East about marriage, about the meaning of marriage, divorce and abusing, how to go out from this abused situation. And we are working on that, so we will translate, we are in the part of translating some good articles, but also we will ask from people here to write things for women, especially when it comes to their rights. So we will put it in this website. We asked Hanan if she has anything else she would like to say to women outside of Palestine. Please stop taking sides. Like all of us, nobody chooses where to be born and for which family, for which religion. Anyone from anywhere could be a Palestinian and could live here and pray. Pray for us. We need, I think, for us, both, both nations, the Jewish nation and the Palestinian nation, both of them, they need your prayers. And again, like I think us as Palestinians and Jewish, we are trying to find ways how to live. We need people to help in that, not to separate us. And I think people who 
like from both sides who build uh, relationships with the other side, then it is easier. But to keep building, to help building walls and to help building settlements and to help building, to help controlling, all of these things will not help at all. If you would like to support the work that Hanan is doing in East Jerusalem to assist women dealing with trauma and her work in the West Bank to support and disciple Christians from a Muslim background, you can find a way to do this on our website. Thank you for listening to Hanan's story. If you'd like to learn more about the issues raised in this episode, hear more stories, or connect with us, you can do so through our website at womenbehindthewall.com. If you like what you heard, please leave us a five-star rating on iTunes, share this episode, or drop us a note. Until next time!